Good morning. It's awesome to uh, be in the house of the Lord together. And um, sounds coming up, I think, is it? Okay. Uh, it's great to be in the house of God and uh, to be with you and to worship God uh, in such a wonderful way. He's worthy, isn't he? And uh, so it's a good thing to, to be able to praise him and glorify him. Um, I echo the sentiments of everyone. Uh, I'm anxious for Pastor Chris to get back. And uh seems like he's been gone for uh, a good while. But um, I want to thank you again as a congregation for allowing him to go on trips like this. You know, our, our mission and our vision is to take the gospel far and wide, and uh, our pastor demonstrates that. And uh, so he is sharing in, in Kenya and has been for the last few weeks with pastors. And uh, so our prayers have been with him that uh, the impact that he makes will be a lasting impact, and I believe it will. So thank you so much for uh, letting him be excused during that time and for praying for him. Um, we have been in a series, uh, and today we conclude this spring cleaning series, uh, ridding our lives of the patterns of thoughts and actions that have a detrimental effect on uh, the quality of life that, um, that we experience. And so Pastor Chris kicked it off, if you recall, and uh, he uh, introduced this series by showing the mentality that God wants us to possess. Uh, realizing that he supplies all of our needs, and so therefore we don't need to be anxious or worry about anything. Then the next week, uh, he conducted a, a very informative interview with uh, Dr. Harshens, and um, they discussed uh, how to rewire our brain. And replacing negative and destructive uh, thought patterns with godly principles that uh, will transform our lives. And that was a very interesting and, and helpful interview. And then uh, BJ preached a very uplifting message on how and why we should trust God. Just put our faith and trust in Him rather than giving in to anxiety and worry. And uh, last week, Pastor Faith, who I heard preach for the first time, did an awesome job uh, talking about repetitively using the spiritual weapons that God has provided for us to overcome our enemy, including prayer and fasting, um, praise and worship, and the Word of God, so that uh, we can take that sword of the Spirit and stand in the victory that God's provided. So today we want to conclude, and I've been asked to wrap it up by discussing healing and deliverance that comes through Jesus Christ, and um, to share how we desperately need that healing. My thoughts, um, based on my preferences, uh, is to immediately run to the theological side of it. Uh, I'm not a theologian, but I love theology. I love to study uh, theology. And uh, so I'm going to approach it from that angle. Uh, and so I'm going to try to be brief. So if you'll hang in and lean in a little bit uh, today to this message. Uh, let's stand together, if you would. And uh, we're going to just read one verse of Scripture. And we'll reference others as we go. In Luke 4, uh, verse 40. 
Now, when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Father, we bless you today for who you are. So thankful that you are God, our healer. And we come to you today, Lord, recognizing that we need a Savior, we need a healer. And God, you provided one for us. And we're so grateful. And so today we pray you'll open our hearts and our minds and our faith, Lord, to receive you and your word. And that you would do a mighty work in our hearts today. For the glory of your name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. I guess the question to start with is why do we need healing? But we did not initially need healing. Uh, when God created us, He designed us, and He made us perfect beings made in His image. And there was absolutely nothing wrong with the man that He created except that he didn't have anyone to incessantly talk to him. (laughs) So he was lonely. And so from man, God fashioned the first companion for him. And Adam was so grateful and so overwhelmed that, that when God created her, he said, Whoa! Man. So that's what she was called. Uh, Mankind was the crowning glory of God's creation. Made in his own image. And God declared it is very good. And so placed in a perfect environment. In the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve enjoyed perfect peace. Exuberant joy. The daily fellowship, an actual presence of God. And so there were absolutely no worries, no anxieties, no sickness, just perfection. The way that God intended life to be. Now I don't know about you, but have you ever longed for the good old days? It's funny, because I've actually heard teenagers talk about the good old days. (laughs) Well, I I have loved all of my life up to this point. But some of the most fun years I had were my teen years. And so, like a lot of them, uh, getting my driver's license was a highlight for me. Because I loved to drive, and I still love to drive. And so... Getting paid $80 a month to drive the school bus that I normally would ride at the age of 16, my junior year of high school in North Carolina, getting $80 a month was sweet. Now, most teens could easily make $80 a day uh, today if they wanted. But um, considering that a brand new car would cost $3,500, And the price of gas was normally 32 cents a gallon, but down to anywhere from 16 to 18 cents a gallon 
when stations had gas price wars. And so that 80 bucks went a long ways when a total fill-up would be $2 or less instead of 65 and more. But I wouldn't go back to those days, although they had some good things going for them. But I wouldn't go back to that, especially uh, since that was pre-Linda as my wife days. Isn't that sweet? But <laughs> racks up brownie points, guys. Just take lessons. Take lessons. <laughs> now those, the days I would like to go back to were the days of the Garden of Eden. I would love to go back to that. Those were the good old days par excellence. Now, what happened to those days? Now, I know what happened to my good old days. I grew up. And I got older. And I got old. But what, ha- what happened actually to the really good old days? Well, sin is what happened. In the Garden of Eden, there was the tree of life. And there's another tree that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil about which God gave them a command not to eat of that. And we, of course, understand that was a great command because of the consequences of, of which we're well aware. And because it would lead to death. And of course, Eve was deceived by Satan and she ate. And then Adam followed suit and he disobeyed. And so everything changed for the worse. With sin came sickness and guilt and shame, loss of fellowship with God, fear, loss of a perfect environment, and the onset of impending death. Adam and Eve were expelled from the Garden of Eden, which was a good thing, so, so that they would not partake of the tree of life and be locked into that sinful state forever. Now, don't go hating on Adam and Eve because if they had not been the first to sin, you probably would have been if I hadn't beat you to, beaten you to it. Uh, the fact is, we not only inherited the sin nature from Adam, we have each sinned on our own. So as a result... We find ourselves in a corrupt environment, our sin robbing us of our fellowship with God, stealing our peace, sabotaging our joy, and leaving us to shoulder the dread and the fear of death. With the fall into sin, we find ourselves far removed from the existence that God had designed and planned for us. And so helpless in that state to be able to save ourselves from that predicament, we needed a Savior. We needed someone who could restore us to the life that God wants us to enjoy. You might wonder, well, why couldn't God just forgive us in his mercy and his love and his grace? Why why do we need a Savior? Why couldn't he just say, "I'll, I'll forgive you if you ask me? After all, you know, we do that, but hopefully, when people ask for forgiveness. And that's a good question. But the answer lies in the holiness of God. God is absolutely, perfectly holy. 
And as such, he is far exalted above all of his creation, his creatures. And he is equally separate from evil and from sin. And so when Adam sinned, he became estranged from God, and God was estranged from him. And so because of that sin, the fellowship that they had previously enjoyed was broken. And there was this chasm between God and the sinner. Now, justice flows out of the holiness of God. And so as a just and holy God, God could not lay down a command or a law, attach a penalty to its violation, and then threaten to enact that penalty, but then do nothing if that law was broken. He would not be just, he would not be holy if he did that. That would violate that. So the penalty had to be paid. The penalty must be paid, which in this case was death. Because God said, you eat of this tree, and that day you'll you'll begin the process of death. So the penalty of sin, for sin, must be paid. And it was laid upon us after Adam sinned. Personally, God laid that to our account. We 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 had to pay with death. Unless, unless someone would take our place. Because justice may allow for someone to become our substitute who would die in our place. Now, man couldn't do it for each other. We could not die in the place of someone else and pay for their sin to satisfy God because our sin made us an unacceptable sacrifice. But only one could qualify to do that, and that was Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God. And so thankfully... In his unfathomable love for us, and in spite of our sin, in absolute grace and mercy, God set in motion his great redemptive plan. He provided a Savior, a Redeemer, one without sin, who would take our sin and become our substitute, and take that upon him sinless self and pay the full penalty for that sin in our place. Now, the demands of God's justice fully met and satisfied, God is free to offer forgiveness and pardon to all of those who will call upon him. What a Savior. What a plan. What love. What grace. And this amazing truth is spelled out in so many places in the Word of God. And uh, I just want to read a couple of passages, just brief passages, just to to show you from Scripture what we're talking about. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you'll follow along on the screen, verse 17 through 21, Paul is saying, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Not counting their trespasses against them. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. 
God making his appeal through us. Paul is saying. So he says, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he was made, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And in first Peter chapter two, verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds, you have been healed. Thank God for our Savior today. Amen? Amen. He's our, he saves us from our sins. But, but the wonderful thing is that sin is not the only thing atoned for on the cross. Our healing from the sickness that was incurred as a result of man's fall, was also included in his work on the cross. Now, the prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years before Christ was crucified, gives a beautiful picture of what that would look like. And he he explained what Jesus bore on the cross and the physical and mental and and spiritual healing that are part of our redemption. In in Isaiah 53, uh, verse 3 through 6, we read, that he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows or pains, and acquainted with grief or sickness. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. And we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs, our sicknesses, and carried our sorrows, our pains. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Our condition was all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord God has laid on him the iniquity of us all. One thing is absolutely clear, that our Savior is also our healer. And he paid the price, the, pen, the penalty of our sin and of our sickness in full. And I believe, as the gospel show us, that, that he can heal all manner of sicknesses. In fact, in our text, if you remember, um, the disciples had just gone to, they left the synagogue and had gone into Simon's house. And uh, his mother-in-law, dear precious mother-in-law, was sick with a very high fever. And so they mentioned that and asked Jesus to do something. And so he went and stood over her and um, rebuked the fever. And it left her. And immediately she stood up and went and probably fixed dinner for them. Immediately healed. And the text goes on to say, you know, continuing that, that, that context. Now, when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. I fully believe that he's still the healer today. And the basis for that is Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews declares in 10, or 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today 
and forever. He is immutable. He cannot, he will not change. So I believe that God lovingly yearns for you and me to experience the life that he's designed for us. Free from the physical and emotional and mental and spiritual sickness and distress that that the enemy of our souls attempts and oftentimes dumps on us. God, through Christ, offers us hope today. And Satan would like nothing more than to succeed in dimming that hope and uh, convincing us that, that our current condition is okay and that we just have to accept it and live with it. I don't believe that lie of Satan. I hate that lie. I want the very best, the most abundant, full life that God offers to me. Don't you? Well, I'm concerned that um, people have become so accustomed to relying on the various coping mechanisms that they've employed to cover some of the problem areas in their lives to the point that they believe that this is as good as it gets and that they'll survive like this in the foreseeable future. But why set up for so little when God offers so much? God went to great lengths at a tremendous cost to provide the healer that we need for you. And so let's believe in him. And let's be made whole and complete in him. Amen. So as we, we've talked about this before. Pastor Chris did and, and Pastor Faith last week mentioned that, um, that healings sometimes were instantaneously performed and other times it was over a, a process of time. Uh, many of the healings recorded in the Gospels were like that. Uh, some of those healings are interesting. I mean, you can read in the Gospels some of the instructions that uh, people had to do, like you know, Jesus spitting in the dirt and making mud and putting it on their eyes, the blind man, and et cetera. You go wash in the pool of Siloam, and you'll be healed. And, and he did. You know, it was Christ's healing. Just instructions. Um, Many times it was to those who were lame, uh, rise up, take up your bed and walk. Uh, to the lepers, 10 lepers that came asking for healing, Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. And at that point, they were leprous. But it was as they went, the scripture says, they were made whole. And only one, a Samaritan, came back uh, to give him thanks. And so oftentimes there were instructions that went along with it. But... Sometimes instantaneously, immediately healed. Other times, over a period of time. Now, healings through Christ continued beyond his physical presence. After his resurrection, his ascension back to heaven to the Father, he continued to heal through the hands of others. In Acts chapter 3 and 4 records the healing of the man who was lame from birth. And uh, he was placed daily at the temple gate called Beautiful. And probably most people, most Christians then would go through the other gates because he was there begging. They didn't want to have to face him every day probably. But anyway, he was trying to beg for handouts. And so Peter and John, upon entering uh, for the hour of prayer, saw him. And uh, getting his attention said, hey, we don't have any money to give you. Sorry. But what we do have, we'll give to you. 
He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And taking him by the hand and raising him up, the scripture says, immediately his feet and ankle bones were made strong. And leaping, leaping up, he stood and began to walk into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. So to the onlookers, they were amazed. And Peter explained to them that, hey guys, remember, you killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. He said, to this, we're witnesses. We've seen that. And his name, Peter says, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Now, the religious, religious leaders just rejoiced with them. Not. No, they were upset. They were jealous. And uh, they arrested them. While they were still talking to the people, they arrested them, kept them overnight. And the next day, they inquired of them, by what power and what name did you do this? And the response of the disciples were, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, who was, who was raised from the dead by this man standing, by him, this man standing before you is well. And Peter continued. He said, there's salvation in no other, no one else. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Today, I believe in the, there's power in the name of Jesus to heal. Because Christ is our healer. He's our savior. He's our healer. And it may be that God will heal you immediately. Or it may be that there will be a process through which he will give you grace, the desire and the power to walk through uh, for your healing. I believe doctors are incredible servants and great gifts that God often uses to bring healing. I believe he uses counselors, especially Christian counselors, by giving them wisdom to guide you through godly principles into the healing that uh, he wants for your mind and emotions. You see, God is sovereign. He can heal whatever and however way he wants to heal. But I believe he wants you to be healed. Amen? Well, as we close today, I want, you to remember, I want you to remember this. You are of utmost value to God. When you think about all he's done for you, you individually are of tremendous value to him. And remember that you are the crowning glory of his creation. Scripture makes that clear. You're the precious object of his unlimited love. God wants to instill his very best into you. And it really, he wants you to be healed totally, but it doesn't depend anything about how worthy you feel that you deserve it. It doesn't depend upon how little you may have sinned this week compared to other weeks. In fact, it doesn't depend upon you at all. He paid the price. 
And so God simply asks that you will trade in your current life that the enemy of your soul is messed up and exchange that for the abundant life that he wants you to have. Would you stand with me this morning, please? Pastor Chris asks that um, when, when we were discussing this, this series, he asked that we end this series with a time built in for an opportunity to invite you up to the front so that we could pray with you and for you to experience healing. And I'm so glad he did that. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to, to come. Stand just along the front of the platform. And someone will be available, hopefully, to pray with you. But just come with your own need and in your own way, cry out to God. But it could be that the first thing you need to resolve is your relationship with God. Are you in fellowship with Him? Or has unconfessed sin hindered your sense of his presence in your life see sickness did not originate with God it came because of sin and so that sin that separated you from God if you're separated from him today he's offered a a healer spiritually for you acknowledge your sin trust what Jesus did on the cross in your place for you and ask him to be your savior today. He longs to do that. He wants to restore that relationship. I'm going to ask you to come in just a moment and bring your physical sickness, whatever it is, because he's the healer today. He is our healer. Fifteen years ago, I needed healing for cancer. And the song that the band is going to play in a few moments is the song, new song that just come out, the song that I played and sang and listened with every day during that period of time. He wants to heal. He's our healer today. I'm going to ask you to come and bring all your worry and anxiety. I just believe that he can exchange some of that for joy and peace that passes understanding. Bring your unforgiveness and bitterness and lay it down here. Don't take it back up again, but let him fill you with love so that you can forgive for your sake. Drop off your feelings of unworthiness and hopelessness and lay hold of the assurance that God sees your value and he loves you. Trade in any suicidal thoughts our feelings of hopelessness for the abundant life and the purpose that God has for you. In your weakness, bring it. Take his strength. In your fear, give that to him and let him make you strong and courageous in his name. In the midst of your confusions and uncertainties, ask for his direction in your life. Bring your struggles with moral purity, pornography, or bad relationships, and let him set you free. 
with purity, there's great power. Whatever addictions you might be battling, bring them before the Lord today and ask Him to set you free. Ask Him to make His presence real to you. Ask Him to fill you with the Holy Spirit, which Jesus said, He will come and He will teach you about me. He will show you Christ. Ask Him to fill you so that you can yield to Him and let the fruit of the Spirit be produced in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. We need that. And so God, the healer, wants you to come today and lay down whatever it is that's plaguing you today and take the healing that he has provided for you. So I'm going to ask you to come right now. If you would just come and, and stand here along the front. Whatever it is that you're coming for, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And if we have enough people to do so, we'll, someone will pray with you. Otherwise, just wait. Somebody will come around and pray for you as well. You don't have to explain anything to anybody about why you're coming. It's not a counseling time. It's a prayer time. But if you feel compelled that you want to share just what it is that you want prayer for, Make it just one or two sentences only, and then we'll have a specific direction to know how to pray for you. But listen, our healer wants to meet you today, and I'm going to invite you to come. Just go ahead and step out now and come. And as you come, you're saying that you want the fullest, the best, the most complete, and whole physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health that God offers you today. Amen. Would you come right now and bring your knees to the Lord? Amen. The altar is open here at the front. We invite you to come. God bless you.